Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Wow, what a podcast. Just me and KT talking, breaking down the games, getting down inside and out of some of the biggest games for Gitches this week. We're talking the entire football season. LSU, Alabama, Penn State, Minnesota. Those teams are combined 32-0. What a great time to be alive, to be here in Vegas, to be a part of this industry. And speaking of what a great time of year it is, beautiful weather, football. If you're looking to add some excitement, you can make BetDSI your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. New members get a 100% bonus match using promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L, BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. Now, why should you guys choose BetDSI? Here's some reasons. BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. BetDSI is top rating on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. BetDSI also has a very user-friendly interface and mobile site. BetDSI has the fastest payouts in the industry. You simply play, you win, and you get paid. Finally, BetDSI, they offer betting options for everything. You can bet on the NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, all the other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything, including college football. Try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on the games from the start to the finish. Every play and every minute until the very end. New members, one more time, you get a 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. Guys, I play there myself and recommend BetDSI. If you want to add some excitement to the sports you love or any other sports you are watching, once again, you go to BetDSI.com, you use the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. And get this limited time, 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash today. Remember, guys, it's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. You heard it. This is the College Football Dream Preview Week 11 edition of the Dream Preview. I am Brad Powers filling in for R.J. Bell. R.J. feeling a little bit under the weather this week. He'll be back next week. We have... Steve Fezzik sending in some notes. Sorry, guys, no fake Fezzik this week, although I will be reading Fezzik's notes. I haven't decided if I'm going to do it in a particular voice. My guess is probably not. Ken Thompson, the 24-inch pythons. Ken Thompson is here. These are the 24-inch pythons, the largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy. Ken, nice having you here. It's great being here. From what I heard, uh, rumor has it that is fake RJ going to be here? Might be an appearance. Might be. I am could guessing. be a debut. Could be a debut. We'll see. To be de- TBD. To be determined. Hey guys, as far as this podcast goes, we're just going to go hot, hard, and heavy over these games here. 
obviously two very big games, a couple of unbeaten matchups between four, a total of four teams that are sitting here at 8 0. We'll get through all the biggest games of the week. We got best bets coming your way at the end of the podcast. So, for those of you that like shorter podcasts, dive right into it. This will be your deal for this week. But before we talk about this week's games, as always, let's first recap last week's games. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brad Powers. I have not had a great year as far as best bets here on the Dream Preview. But last week, we did something different. I gave you four best bets, and I went three and one. The best bet would have been BYU if I had to pick just one. There was no doubt about that one. BYU easily beats Utah State. So there's one win. Michigan takes care of Maryland. Didn't have to sweat that one. Virginia Tech nearly outright upsets Notre Dame as a 17.5-point underdog. That's good. Washington, the one loser. Pretty much one pick six away from 4-0. That's not too shabby. I'd say that's getting back to where things should be here, guys. 3-1 and one as far as my top four picks last week. Ken, how'd you do? Well, I didn't do well on my uh, my best bet, which irks me big time. I'm like you. I'm really competitive and always want to nail that best bet. But had Hawaii, got off to a great start, up 17-0, off, up 24-10 on Fresno State, fell apart. And as I'm falling asleep, because, of course, it was a 9 p.m. Pacific time and we're <laughs> up rolling early on Saturdays. But as I'm going in and out of consciousness, you know, they're down a couple scores. They come down. They pull within a score. Onside kick. They get next thing you know. The game's tied only to see Fresno State come down and get a last-second field goal, burn me by a field goal, 41-38. But here on the Dream Preview, anytime I can take money from R.J. Bell, there you go, and from Dave Essler, because that's the thing. R.J. Bell, he doesn't know all that much about college football. He knows enough, and he knows a lot of players behind the scenes. But R.J. always jumps on the old man Dave Essler's play, and Dave was on SMU I was on Memphis. Now, very fortunate that the line was five and a half when we did the dream pod because <laughs> there's some shenanigans that went on there at the end of the game. And for you folks that missed it, Brad, I almost called you, man. I, I just couldn't believe it because I know there were some people that laid six, and there may have even been some people, as Chuck Edel would say, late to the dance that laid six and a half with Memphis last Saturday. They are up 54 to 32, I believe it was. Yep. And next thing you know, it's 54 to 40. Then it's 54-46 to 46 as SMU scores inside the final two minutes. Now, you figure you kick the extra point, you're going to pull within seven. You're going to go for the onside kick. They're basically out of timeout. It's got to get that onside kick. What happens? They go for two. And I'm thinking, okay, is their kicker hurt? Now, I know they've missed a bunch of extra points and field goals. They've had trouble with the kicking game. But this is an extra point, not a professional NFL extra point, 33-yarder. This is a regular extra point that's going to pull you within seven points for first place in your conference. But Sonny Dykes decides to go for two. And it's a play where Shane Bouchelle rolls right and throws back to an offensive lineman. Now, I can understand saving that particular play to win a game. I think it's ingenious. I thought it was a, you know, a good call. But to put your season on the line for that to have to work, you're talking about a 300-pound guy that's got to make a catch of not just a little lateral, of a pass that's back. You know, Again, it worked out for them. But at that juncture, you even had the ESPN announcers, Herb Street 
and Chris Fowler yeah. both saying like, I don't get it. I, you know, I, I do math. I, I, it Analytics just makes no guys sense. support it though. If you do the apps, you go like a couple levels deep into it. The percentages, even Fez told me that's the right play to go for two after that one. Okay. Well, I'll let Fez explain it on Twitter. Okay. So or whatever, let me but. well let, let me just explain Devil's Advocate here as far as okay if analytics says that because let me tell you any analytics person that says that never played freaking football. It's absolutely ludicrous that you would put yourself in position if you miss that. Okay. Say this guy doesn't. You go, go for two again. And then what does that do? What does that do? You have to get it to tie the game. All that does is tie the game. But what if you get it? You're looking on the negative here. I'm looking at the positive is an extra point, a 10-yard extra point. You got to be so. I want to see you yeah. be okay with okay. it when your team has a national title on the line, <laughs> okay? And an extra point will tie it and put it into overtime. Well, that's a national that you go, You're just trying it's to your conference title, yeah? Conference title on the line, but undefeated Kent, season. They had on the that line. play saved. They executed. They're but, down but six. Why not? Now you get the onside right. kick and score a no, touchdown. No, no, you go right on. And now yeah. you get to no, no. It's not something that you just move right on. Like now you get like it's a foregone conclusion. This is not throwing to Robertson. Or, or your other approach, uh, your two great receivers. Robertson, of course, did not play. That was part of my handicap because I knew even if he had gone, he wasn't going to be near 100%. But to throw back, only catch the guys ever made, a 300-pound lineman, and I'm, like I said, it's not a lateral, to throw that ball back, I don't give a crap about These analytics idiots are the same ones that would tell me that the tuck rule is a real rule. I mean, it's it's an absolute joke that some of these things that we see in football, whether at college level, pro level, doesn't matter. I, I don't know where they get that. In other words, these are the same people that are telling me, if I get a leadoff single in the bottom of the ninth inning with the World Series on the line and I'm the home team, I'm not supposed to bunt that guy to second base. These are guys that all of a sudden think that they have the answers, that they're going to change 100 years of history and plays that have worked so many times over years past that they're going to change it now because we're going to use all our little computers and BS. And that that's you got to take human element into the equation here. And for somebody to risk a two-point conversion, to throw back 10 yards, okay, throw a lateral, 10-yard lateral back to a 300-pound lineman that has no receptions in his career. And yes, okay, it worked. But there's so many things that can go wrong. And if it didn't work, you're still in the game. Going to be scrutinized big time by your fan base. But because it covers the closing line, (laughs) and don't you think for a second that Sonny Dykes doesn't know what the closing line is. His thing was, you know what? If I'm not going to win the game, because if we don't recover the onside kick, we lose the game because we have no timeouts left. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to cover this line for the boosters. You can't convince me otherwise. And that was, ladies and gentlemen, Ken describing what ended up being a win for Ken Thompson. Right. I just feel the passion, yeah, the passion I mean, that Ken has. You won, Ken. No, no, it's not. I'm just saying that's me. If I'm an if I'm an SMU alum and I see that play, yeah, it worked. Why not? If that play is so great, which it was, okay, it worked. Save it for when you're going to win a game. To me, save it for when you're going to win a they game. They could have won a game. You're, but you didn't. You, yeah, you had to rec- in other words, you're forcing. You still have to recover an onside kick. I wish Steve Fezzik was here. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, fake Fez, real Fez doesn't matter. <laughs> you're not going to convince me. All right, I appreciate the passion coming right out. 
So you did win your best bet. Yeah, and that, that by or, the way, you because know, you it won was that Esler's, bet. No, that, that was, was Esler's, Esler's best bet, 500 RJ right. piggy bet. And you lost the Y. But right. you're still up 1,000. That's not Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, anytime I can beat RJ for any money, that's what it's all about. Where's that button? Oh, here it is. Thank you. I got my own. Wait. Yeah, I had to do it myself because you did it for me, but thank you. RJ, I appreciate you. Showtime! Woo! All right, let's get into the games here. We'll start off with one. We're going to actually start it off with the two biggest games of the weekend, the battle of unbeatens in not one, but two. It's the first time in the AP poll era. That's going back to 1936. We got two matchups pairing teams with records of 8-0 and or better, kicking off on the same day, first time it's ever happened. And we'll start with the one that kicks off early, Noon Eastern kick time, 11 a.m. local time for this one. It's going to be cold early in the morning for Minnesota. And right now, Penn State, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. I am going to lead it off with Steve Fezzik. He likes Minnesota. No fake Fez here. I'm just going to read you his handicap. Fezzik, the real one, the overlord, says Minnesota's undervalued due to a lack of coverage. They're 8-0. and and last four wins have come by 23 or more points, yet they're under the radar. A 23-point win versus Illinois is looking better and better. Illinois has been pretty good since then. Fez says they've gone 3-1 and one since that Purdue or that Minnesota loss. Wins against Wisconsin and Purdue for Illinois, and also last week against Rutgers. So Minnesota undervalued. Steve Fezzik likes Minnesota. Brad Powers now. Brad Powers likes the under. Before I talk about the under, though, let me just give you an overview of the game. To me, one of the major factors, Penn State's played a much tougher schedule. I mean, Minnesota, I went through it. Minnesota has played zero, 0.0 teams in my top 50 of my power innings. Zero, none of them. And we're in November. Uh, I think going a little bit deeper, Minnesota's played a backup quarterback in four of their last five games. Oof. Penn State, meanwhile, has played four top 40 teams in my power ratings. So huge advantage, Penn State. That's why they're laying six and a half here. But I think it's built into the number because I think, generally speaking, even though Penn State's played a really tough schedule, I think they're a little bit overrated. I, I kind of want to play against Penn State. Why? They've been outgamed by Buffalo, won the game. Outgamed by Pittsburgh, won the game. Outgamed by Iowa, won the game. Outgamed by Michigan, won the game. Ugh. So, I generally speaking, I think Minnesota's overrated. Penn State's overrated. Therefore, I'm going to the under. And to me, this is just a classic, old-school, Big Ten type of game. I know these offenses have put up some big numbers here. But Penn State, by far, is the best defense Minnesota's faced. And I think Minnesota defensively is very sound. Let's put it that way on that side of the ball. I'm going under. Early forecasts could be there's a chance of snow, some wind. A uh, little mixed precipitation as it, the day warms up a little bit throughout the afternoon. So I'm going under 47.5 as they like Ken Thompson. Who do you like in this game? I'm just leaning on Penn State. And it's uh, the schedule that you talked about, the non-conference schedule. Minnesota, very fortunate in all three non-conference schedule games against South Dakota State, win 28-21. At Fresno State, score on the last play of regulation, win in double overtime, 38-35. Georgia Southern goes to Minnesota. Pretty good Georgia Southern team that did knock off undefeated Appalachian State, but Georgia Southern just kind of getting themselves going middle of the season, 35-32. Minnesota wins that. So all three conference ga- non-conference games, all one score. 
score against teams, none are, as Brad said, in his top 50. Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. Those are the bottom dwellers, basically, that they've played so far as far as in the Big Ten. So now you're going up in class against the Penn State team. Like you said, battle-tested, Pittsburgh, Michigan, Michigan State, no problem there. A team that has 30 sacks on the year, led by Gross Matos and Tony, combining for 11 of those sacks, and a linebacking core with Parsons, Brown, and Jan Johnson. That is outstanding. Also, best player on the field. And this includes the three-headed monster in the backfield for Minnesota because that's where I give the Gophers the advantage. I think their running game is very, very solid with three solid backs. But I'm looking at K.J. Hammer. This guy, to me, is one of the top three receivers in the entire country. Yes, he may be diminutive as far as size, but he runs great routes, and he gets open, and he will blow by you. He will also come around, do an end around. And also Fryermuth, an outstanding tight end, already seven touchdown receptions. Minnesota, though, Tanner Morgan, he's a quarterback that takes care of the football. I like that. 18 touchdowns, just the four picks. He can run it when need be. Rodney Smith has stepped up to be the one as far as the three-headed backfield. And then you've got a couple other guys, including Ibrahim, that are very, very solid. So there's depth there. My advantage, not James Franklin, is P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck, to me, is one of the best motivators in college football. And when you saw him do it at Western Michigan, he's got this Minnesota team, fraudulent as these wins may be, they're wins, they're unblemished. He's got them believing they're a solid 8-0 team. And that mindset in 18- to 22-year-old kids may be good enough with the home crowd to keep them inside the number. That's why just a lean to Penn State. The better team, I feel. But remember, Clifford still... First-year quarterback, Noah Kane, freshman running back. Journey Brown, not bad. But if they don't get production from Hamler and they don't get sacks on Morgan, they could be up against it. Yeah, and looking at it here, uh, no matter who wins this game, whether it's Penn State or Minnesota, there's still some tough games remaining on the schedule. Penn State's got to go to Ohio State where they're going to be a two-touchdown underdog. And Minnesota still has to play Iowa and Wisconsin from the Big Ten West. So, yeah, it's a sexy matchup, 8-0, 8-0, and, and kudos for Minnesota. It's the first time they've been 8-0 since 1941. My goodness. But I think either team, no matter even who wins this game, again, I'm looking uh, to, to play against either team. But just recapping it, Ken leans Penn State. I like the under, under 47.5. Mr. Steve Fezzik likes Minnesota. All right, let's move along to the next game here. Uh, some of you may watch this few of you if you if you find time between the honeydew list on saturday it's uh number one lsu against number two alabama right now as we're taping this on tuesday night alabama a six and a half point home favorite looking at it here oh we're gonna let ken you like this game. You like the side. Who do you got here? I do like the side. And by the way, right now it's 436 Pacific time. So they're going to do their first college football rankings, the top four, within about an hour and a half in between the doubleheader of college basketball, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan State, the Duke, Kansas game going right now. And I made a bet with R.J. Bell literally about a half hour ago, about 40 minutes ago, basically at the end of the Straight Out of Vegas show, where I said that I felt strongly, strong enough that I guaranteed that the, five, that the four would come out in this order, LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Bama 3, and Clemson 4. And my reasoning uh, being that LSU playing Texas, a top 10 team at the time, Florida, top 10 team at the time, and Auburn, a top 10 team at the time, taking care of business there. Now, they've got some internal problems there with Divinity Thomas gone from the team. 
There's no doubt that could come into play if they're going to look at intangibles there. I don't think they are here. And I think with Tagovailoa, you know, at 90%, according to Paul Feinbaum from his show today, it looks like he'll probably go in this game. But, Brad, you and I, I talked to you yesterday, and something that came to me was something that I was trying on my show last night to get it across to as many people as I can that it would not shock me that if Tua was, say, 90%, even 95%, that Nick Saban is such a shrewd coach, like a Belichick, that he, if he plays Mac Jones— it's kind of like a free roll for him, at least in the first half. Maybe he changes things if they're getting blown out. But he goes and rolls the dice, lets Mac Jones go. If they beat LSU, it's gravy. Tua sits out, gets rested even further. He doesn't even have to use Tua. Shows <laughs> that his backup, good decision by him after Hertz takes off for Oklahoma, that he sat pat with this backup, Mac Jones. But if he loses the game, say he loses a three to seven point game to LSU, all of a sudden, they're not playing Georgia in the championship game. So you dodge that bullet. Basically what you have to do if you're Alabama, take care of the Iron Bowl at Auburn. Knock off Auburn, who struggles offensively, outscore them with a healthy Tua Tagovailoa, and that, in turn, can do what it did for Alabama a couple years ago, put them back in the playoff scenario as a one-loss Bama team, not ever risking playing Georgia, basically have to beat Auburn to almost guarantee yourself, I think, a chance to get in there. I know know you're going to disagree. Yeah, I hear you. Well, the problem is, I just how do they get in? I mean, because LSU then, I mean, for all intents and purposes, is going to win out, play in the SEC championship game. Georgia's going to win out. So uh, LSU, I think LSU is in no matter what in that scenario, unless they get blown out by Georgia, right? Because if LSU wins, they're in because of the undefeated SEC champ. If they lose and I would assume it would be relatively close to Georgia, they would still have that win over Alabama. I get it, Alabama didn't have Tua, but it would be, I think what would negate that is, hey, it was on the road. So I still think LSU would get in. I mean, if Georgia's 12-1, there's your two SEC teams right there. And then you still have Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And, I mean, I know people don't want to you know, hear this and they think it's a bunch of BS, but don't sleep on the Pac-12. I don't think they're completely out yet, with especially if it's Oregon and Utah, 11 and 1 versus 11 and 1. And the winner of that one, I think, would have a decent uh, case to, to be in the playoff. I think Oregon's the only one that can get in there if, if you have one loss. In other words, if you have an undefeated Ohio State team, an undefeated Clemson team, there's two spots right yeah. there. So I think Oregon's got a good chance to take out the Pac 12 team, Oklahoma, because they lose. You mean the Big 12 team? The Big 12. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Big 12 team, take out the Big 12 team. Uh, and then maybe that second SEC team, Oregon, because their only loss, a game they led for 59 minutes, 51 seconds against an SEC team on a neutral field, the SC win against Utah, it doesn't look good because USC's losing games. Oregon blew them out. Fair enough. So for Utah, it's not good losing to Southern Cal. Very good point. The second thing I disagree with you on the Alabama thing, I think Saban wants to win this game. And if... A 70% Tua is still better than Mac Jones. He's going to put Tua out there. I mean, he's not going to sacrifice the safety of his player. So when he loses, if that yeah. happens, he's out. Yeah. He's I think out. he's out no matter what. See, and you that's mentioned Feinbaum. He said the same thing. They lose, they're out. I think there's too much anti-Alabama sentiment. They're not going to put them in this year. If you don't even win your division, 
They're not getting in. Well, they did get in a couple years ago. I know right? they did, but I do. I know, do they get the benefit of the doubt? The only team, no, and they shouldn't. And maybe we're, this is where who have maybe, they beaten? That's what I'm saying. They, Duke, Southern Miss, and uh, New Mexico State. So maybe they finally get penalized for playing freaking Western Carolina Week 11 before the Iron Bowl. Maybe they finally do it to where they say, you know, if you had another non-conference, because look, we can look at Notre Dame and we can say what we want. They're not in a conference. But look at that schedule. You don't know when you make these these games four or five years ago that teams like Virginia Tech, Florida State, these teams are going to struggle. USC are going to, are you kidding me? Notre Dame's schedule is tough. I mean, Navy's good. I mean, there there's not a bad team really on that Notre Dame schedule. When you look at it compared to Baylor or uh, Alabama, I mean, Baylor's non-conference, UTSA, Rice and Stephen F. Austin, for the love of God, are you kidding me? I mean, look, I love what Matt Rule's doing over there, but don't give me this crap. When it gets down to this playoff, when your non-conference schedule sucks, it should be just like the bubble there on the on the top sixty-eight. You're out. I like it. Love the passion, Ken. So you like Alabama here? I do like Alabama here because I think two is close to one hundred percent, and I'm not sold on LSU. And here's why: initially, I thought that offense was so high flying. I watched them struggle against Auburn, struggle mightily. I mean, this is an Auburn team that defensively, you know, they're good. Their front seven's pretty good, but they opened, they parted the Red Sea for Joe Burrow to run that last touchdown in. But I didn't really see anything from Joe Burrow in that game. I did, to me, it just never looked like this high high score. Are you kidding me? They scored 23 points on their home field. I never really felt like this was this high-octane offense we're going to see. I just didn't feel it. And if you have trouble moving the ball against Auburn, and I understand this Alabama defense is down because they lost their top two linebackers, you're not going to outscore Alabama if two a plays. You're just not going to do that unless turnovers go your way. And you have internal problems with Divinity being out, Thomas already gone. These two guys, there's something major that's going on there. They're keeping mums the word. When you see two guys gone that are defensive contributors, especially Divinity, to where it says personal reasons, are you kidding me? Trust me, they'd do anything to maybe say, all right, you know what, internal uh, you know, we're going to handle it internally, and these guys are suspended indefinitely while we're checking. No, they didn't even do that. So that lets me know it's something so egregious that they had to ask these guys to leave. Look, we could speculate what we want, but normally when something like this happens, it's not marijuana, it's not something like that. It's either domestic or sexual, and I have no idea which one, but I feel strongly as a reporter saying allegedly that's probably what I think is going to come out when it's all washed and said and done. But we'll see how things pan out. And I think that distraction alone internally, because these other LSU players know about it, so they know it. They're trying to keep quiet while they're being pressed from media, from family, from friends. What's going on? What happened? What's up with Divinity and Thomas? What happened? Right now, they need to just focus on Alabama. They have three great receivers, no question. Jefferson Chase and getting Marshall back was big. Thaddeus Moss, the tight end's got to come up big. Edward Tolaire's got to run the ball strong to take pressure off Burrow. But I just think Najee Harris is being overlooked. Brian Robinson, he's a little banged up. But there is no better quartet of receivers in the country that I can remember in the last 50 years, you can't tell me four receivers better than Judy, Ruggs III, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddell. That's where my money's at. End of the day, if I lose, I'll pay to watch Saban go out. But <laughs> my money's on Alabama. All right. Well, let's get to Fezzik. He has got a like. Derivative, though. This guy, dirtiest player in the game. I give him credit. He's going Alabama under 35 and a half. Mm. You know what? I'm going to give his case here 
and then I might press the green button. Fezzik's reason, Alabama team total under 35.5. Tua is likely far less than 100% for this game. Okay, I'll give him that. Given a total of 65 as we're taping this on Tuesday night, that's about where the total is. He's expecting Alabama, at least the market's expecting, Alabama wins 35.5 to 29. Fair enough. Alabama's a 6.5-point favorite, total 65. Uh, He thinks Alabama over 35.5 points, very optimistic. Uh, He likes Alabama under 35.5 points. All right. He didn't give me enough there. Uh, You got to bet, Mr. Fezzik. To me, LSU, how healthy are they in the secondary? Because Delpit and Derek Stingley both came up a little lame with some ankle injuries in that game, or at least leg injuries in the game against Auburn. And honestly, it didn't look good for either one the way they were helped off the field. Uh, as we're taping this on Tuesday, both guys questionable slash probable for the for the game. But if they're not 100% and you got to chase man-to-man coverage, what Ken just mentioned, the best wide receiver core we've probably ever seen in college football, that's not going to be a good look. And even if it's Tua, hey, Tua was, to his own words, and I know this was the terrible Oklahoma defense last year, but in his own words, he was only 80-85% for the semifinal last year. Didn't have any problems going up and down the field. I get it, LSU, even with a banged-up defense a little bit, still a little bit better than Oklahoma. But, yeah, Fez, you got to bet. I'm going to go over 35-and-a-half. You can take the under. Uh, as far as Brad Powers, just a lean. Just a lean on Alabama for me. A uh, couple reasons. Number one, I, I, this line right here is telling me that I think it's like in between. To me, it's almost like that they think – Two is questionable because even if he's 80%, and I'm doing my own power ratings here, if two is going to play and he's 80-85%, I think Alabama should be laying more than a touchdown. I I think Vegas is thinking what I'm thinking. He's only questionable because Saban may play the two a card, the ace (laughs) in the hole. Maybe. I don't think so. You want to bet on that? You know what? Let me think of something. How would he do that? I, I want him to play. I'm hoping that okay. – well, here's the thing. Paul Feinbaum on his show today said he thought from what he's hearing, and he's pretty close to that Bama pulse, thought 90%, 90 95%. Right. That, to me, a, a 90 to 95% Tua is good enough to beat LSU okay. at home by a touchdown. All right. Uh, looking at it, I don't know what else I'm really going to add here. We talked. I'll tell you what. Al, have these two teams changed this much? Here's what I went through, and I got like a ton of data. I'll put this on Twitter for you guys. You don't want to hear it here, but you can follow me on Twitter at Brad Power Seven. Uh, d- number one is not great against number two. I went back to 1980. Number one is 13, 21, and two. 13 wins, 21 losses, couple pushes against the spread against number two. So number one overrated in these one-two matchups. That's all of them going back to 1980. Alabama's owned the series, obviously. Uh, eight straight wins for Alabama. Average score. How about this? You want to talk about a change in philosophy for both teams offensively? Average score in the last eight meetings, Alabama 24 to 9. 35 points in the last eight meetings. Total 65. Maybe Fe- that's what Fed should have wrote in, in his handicap. Uh, look, average total was 45 in those games as far as the totals line. Alabama, here's what I was trying to get to. Alabama. Last 31 home games, 31-0. and 0, Average win by 32 points per game. In each of Alabama's last 28 home games, they've won every single one of them by at least 14 points. Now, 
I'll give you this is their shortest spread at home since that 2011 game where they lost to LSU in the first of those two meetings that season. But to me, I mean, LSU's got to be, for this number to make sense to me, LSU's got to be almost historically good, or at least an historically good opponent from what Alabama's played the last seven, eight years. I think they are on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not so sure it is on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, You're so, questioning so, that. I'm, I'm questioning, I I know, I know, I'm yeah. questioning you to tell me how good do you think Auburn is to lose now they got an oh by the way touchdown which didn't didn't it, it didn't concern the spread didn't mean anything as far as the spread now the missed extra point early did because the spread was ten and a half and all of a sudden that made it to where it was going to be ten instead of eleven on yeah. that missed extra point so that kind of changed LSU things. Auburn game LSU Auburn game so do you think Auburn is that dominant on defense LSU that, that LSU at home. I, only I puts get up twenty three points and trail. I mean, has to get that. They don't trail, but they they're failed only in the red zone a couple times. Wow. They put up five hundred well, some yards. If you're failing at home against Auburn in the red zone, good luck when you're in Tuscaloosa and nobody's they still put for up five hundred plus yards. Okay, I still think LSU offensively. We can agree that LSU offensively this is the best offense LSU has had in the last seven, eight, nine years, right? Okay. All right. Defensively. Who, who? All right. Let me just think, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'm putting myself on the spot because I'll try to think of one. In the, I'm just talking the SEC. Who's had a better offense than LSU outside of Alabama in the last like six, seven years? This year's LSU offense in the SEC. In the SEC. No, I'm not saying. I, I don't think. There's... Well, that's what I'm saying. That I'm saying Alabama hasn't faced a, a, this type of offense at least in the SEC. So I mean, that's what this line's saying at least that they got to be historically good off offensively, and I think they are. But there's two sides of a team defensively. I don't think they are for this line to make sense, right? Right. Okay. So both teams are definitely down defensively. There's no question. And Bama lost their two linebackers early that were two of their best players. And so they've had plenty of time to adjust. The distraction with Thomas and Divinity being gone and then two other starters, good ones, that are banged up, that's major, I think, for for LSU. Delpit is is huge and then uh, Stingley as well. So those are two major concerns as far as secondary-wise for LSU. They've got a lot of things to worry about right now. Joe Burrow better play his A game. And I just, I don't know. I When I go back and I watch that Auburn game back, I'm just like, where is this great yeah. offense? Everybody's talking. It's good between the 20. And I'll concede to you. I mean, I took LSU in that game. And yeah, I remember. Good enough. We had yeah. a bet on that. We did. All right. Fair enough. One last thing on this game, and then I'll get I'll let you have closing. Because you're leaning Bama, but you're backing LSU on all your points here. No, 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 no. Number one is bad against number two against the spread since 1980. That's for mm. Alabama. I said, hey, Alabama at home has been dominant. 31 straight home wins. 28. The last 28 have been all by 14 points or more. This line's only six and a half. Uh, what would make you bet one side or the other? Seven? You would take LSU. Uh, no, I need more. I need seven, seven and a half, half, eight. Yeah, but I, I don't even... I don't think that... You know what I'm going to say? It's just because this is the... Everyone's going to watch this game. It's the biggest game of the year so far. One, I mean, it's the first time we've had a 1-2 matchup in the regular season since 2011. Doesn't mean you got to bet it. I, I'll look maybe in-game. Hey, let's... I mean, to me, I think that'd be the sharpest play here. Let's... If Tua plays, let, let's see how he looks first couple series. If he looks okay, well, then I'd be more inclined betting Alabama. I know 
uh, you know, the, if they score a couple quick touchdowns, you're going to be laying a lot bigger number. But I, I kind of want to see what he looks like, maybe even the pregame. I mean, the pregame to this is going to be huge. You'll see him on the field if he's trotting around, uh, if he's limping at all. I, to me, I'm what, you know, a lot of times I like to bet early in the week, and I do bet a lot of games early. But in this instance, I, I want the latest information. Yeah, if Delpit and Stingley play but are not near 100%. I want to see what they're looking like in warm-ups. So. That's, that's what I'm saying. Those four receivers, good luck. Yeah, so that that's where I'm at. I'm waiting uh, on this one. One other thing, Alabama was 16, minus 16 in this game. And I looked at the Golden Nugget. I looked wow. at Westgate. All those uh, lines early in the summer. Have these teams changed that much? They're both unbeaten. Mm, I'm not so sure. So just recapping it, Ken likes Alabama. Fezzik likes Alabama under. I bet on him just because I didn't like his handicap. Under 35 and a half is what we'll grade that. I'm leaning Alabama, but I prefer to wait and see how these guys look. Nothing later from Messler on there? Nothing from Messler. Okay. All right, let's move along. We got the two unbeaten games out of the way. Let's uh, We'll go through the rest of these games a little bit. Some spirit. I love you're bringing some passion here, KT. I love it. All right, next big, and this is a pretty big game in the Big 12. Baylor at TCU right now as we're taping on Tuesday. Baylor, a two-point road favorite. We got a double like here. I'm going to lead this one off. I like TCU. And and to me, it's November. Baylor's playing with unbeaten pressure. Certainly looked like it last week, that isolated TV game against West Virginia. Baylor dominated the stats but still came down to a field goal at the end. To me, TCU's played the tougher schedule. TCU came off a game where they almost won despite being the fact they were minus three in turnovers. And teams that are minus three in turnovers, they lose 85% of the time. They fail to cover 81% of the time. So the fact that game was still close says, I think, something about TCU. And if you just look at these guys head-to-head since TCU joined the Big 12, TCU's on them, 6-1 and one against the number. Average cover, cover margin with a short sample size. Average cover margin of 16 points per game. TCU 6-1 and one against Baylor. I like the Horn Frogs here. I think they win the game outright. I agree with you, and this is, uh, this is tough because I did say I wasn't going to go against Baylor anymore. They burned me three times this year, and I'm good friends with the play-by-play mm. guy, John Morris. I love John. He graduated Baylor, does an outstanding job. I'll catch him on a lot of the upper-tier channels doing all the Baylor sports from softball to soccer to swimming, you name it. John is just a great guy, passionate guy, and I'm glad they didn't get the death penalty, and I'm glad that Matt Rule was the guy that resurrected this program. Charlie Brewer, he makes plays that I didn't think he could make with his feet and also with his arm. Love it and hasty, pretty good out of the backfield. I like Denzel Mims. Thornton and Snead are pretty good, but Mims is the real deal. He'll play at the next level, no question. The non-conference schedule is an absolute joke with Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and at Rice. And I understand why they did it because they figured, you know what, we have to get some positive energy back into this program, and so we have to go down in class, so to speak, to guarantee some W's. That's what they did. Now, it could come back to bite them as far as, you know, if they ran the table, they could actually be a team that runs the table, maybe doesn't get in the playoff. Who knows how things pan out? It could work out that way because their schedule is that week. And the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma, with Texas losing a lot of luster right now, is just not that strong a conference. Now, TCU, the one thing they do well in Gary Patterson's tenure, they win in Fort Worth. They take care of business. They've won their games at home this year, uh, Texas and Kansas. They've lost on the road at Iowa State, at Kansas State, and at Oklahoma State. Rieger, dynamite receiver, two pretty solid running backs in Anderson and Alanalua. And uh, then you've got a defensive linebacker in Garrett Wallow that will lead the defense. 
boy, it's scary because TCU's minus four in turnovers, minus five in sacks. Baylor, everything else pointing their way. James Lynch, an outstanding sacker, eight and a half sacks. They are plus five in that department. They're plus five in turnovers. Things are falling Baylor's way, but something tells me it's going to be a purple Saturday down there in Fort Worth. I'm with you. I'm on TCU. If I if I lose it, I have no one to blame but myself because I said I wasn't going to go against Baylor again. <laughs> but I just I just think the spot at home for TCU, this is their season. This is the biggest game on their schedule, and they never thought it would have been at the beginning of the year. No question about it. They already had a big home win already. Right. Beating Texas ago. was huge. Texas. Yeah. Uh, double like there, Ken and myself on TCU. Fezzik leans Baylor. Uh, reasoning for him, Baylor's road win against Kansas State and Oklahoma State looking much more impressive. Agree with him there. Just a lean on Baylor for Fezzik. Any closing thoughts? No, I'm good. All right. Let's move along. Guys, we'll get some, if it's a little dry for you guys, we'll get some sound drops in here as we go. Oh, oh my goodness. Speaking of sound drops, you know what? I don't have this sound drop. It's a crossfire music. I think it's on RJ's iPad. Nonetheless, you guys know this sound. That's what we got. That's what we got on this one. Because the next game on the docket is Iowa at Wisconsin. Right now, Wisconsin, a nine and a half point home favorite. I like one team. Ken likes the other. Ken, who do you like here? Uh, when you're married to a lady that's raised outside of Madison, Wisconsin, you learn after you've gone against the team and they've burned you twice, you better get on them this time of the year. Here's the thing with me, uh, taking Wisconsin minus the nine and a half at home, and it's a lot of points to give up for a team that doesn't wing the ball around a lot. But I think Jonathan Taylor is by far the best offensive weapon for both teams. Reason being, I don't think Iowa's offense is very good at all. Jack Cohn, yeah, he got dismantled in the game against Ohio State. Who hasn't gotten dismantled by Ohio State this year? We're already, Brad and I, agreeing that we think Ohio State's the best team in the country at this particular time. So when I look at Taylor now having a chance to regroup, Jack Cohn understanding what he did against Illinois in the waning seconds by throwing that football, Taylor also with the fumble prior to that when they had a nine-point lead, that was a monumental loss because they could have got away with the loss to Ohio State and still had a shot by coming back and beating the Buckeyes in the Big Ten championship game. But when you lose to Illinois, not good. So now they've got to regroup. Can they take out Iowa and still have a chance to represent the West? Because they do play Minnesota still. So they know they still can control their own destiny as far as representing the West if they're able to get help as far as Minnesota losing a game somewhere along the line. And that could happen Saturday, as we talked about, against Penn State. So I'm looking at Wisconsin. I think Taylor's going to have a big game. I like Cephas, Ferguson, and I think Orr and Bond are going to get in on Stanley and then disrupt him the similar way that Penn State got in his face. I just don't see any outs as far as for Stanley to get the ball. And it's a team that's a little bit banged up. Epines is pretty good. Alaric Jackson, also their left tackle, is banged up. He may not be able to go in this game. That could be a huge loss. Look, Iowa hung in there with Penn State and Michigan, you know, doing what they could. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at Wisconsin at Camp Randall to salvage their season and still have a shot to represent the West. I'm going to lay the nine and a half to Brad Powers. I got Wisconsin to roll at Camp Randall and jump around. (laughs) No jump around for me. I like Iowa here. And to me, I I may be in this, though. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Because I could have taken Iowa plus ten and a half. I could have taken Iowa plus ten. Unlike Joe's, numbers matter. The fact that I'm betting you on this game at nine and a half 
means that I'm in. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. With that being said, here's what I'm thinking with Iowa. And this is just a basic handicap for me. If you're laying more than if you're more than a seven point underdog with a total of 43 or less. So you're a big dog or a relatively sizable dog, more than a touchdown underdog, and there's not supposed to be a lot of scoring. Since 2003, those teams are 56.5% against the spread. Sample size is 400 plus, or about 400 games here. So to me, in a low scoring game, this total is 38.5, and I was catching more than a touchdown. I, that makes me lean towards Iowa. What makes me like Iowa, I, how does Wisconsin get margin? Iowa's defense is legit. They've given up 10 points per game, Fez. How, okay, so how did, but, how did Wisconsin's offense get margin against Michigan, a Michigan team that held yeah, Iowa to a field goal? Fair enough. And they got margin against Michigan State. That's scary. But what I've seen from Jonathan Taylor the last couple games, he's been held in check, not only against the Buckeyes, but even Illinois reasonably well held him in check. So, uh, obviously, you got to sell out against the run here if you're Iowa. Iowa's been good on the road, more as a road favorite than a road dog. I think you got me here, but, you know, we need five likes out of ten games, and I think you got me on, like, my fifth like as I was going over the games. That, uh, you know what? You, you made a good point, though. If you're Iowa's D, you got to sell out against the run, and what makes Jack Cohn good is when teams sell out against Jonathan Taylor, unless they have the athleticism of a Buckeye defense, and Iowa doesn't. Fair enough, KT. So, what is it, 300 on the line? 300 bucks. There you hmm. go. And again, I think I'm in. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. You got me on, like, my fifth like. That would not be best bet material for those going back to last week's podcast. That would have been one I did not bet. Especially at this number, at 10 and a half. I'd be lining it up against you, buddy. Big time. Any closing thoughts? Nope. I'm you good. know what? I forgot. Fezzik. Another derivative from Fezzik. He must have known RJ wasn't going to be here. Another derivative bet from him. I like it, though, because he gets me thinking on different ways to get after a handicap. After, after a Fezzik game. has a way of getting us all to think. Yeah, good or bad. Uh, in this case, I, I think it's good. Like Iowa-Wisconsin under first half. He says under first half 20. Uh, you might have to lay minus 120. So your total in the first half... Fezzik's liking the under. He thinks it's going to be 20. Obviously, low-scoring defensive battle, I would say to him. That's why the number's only 20, Fez. Uh, he thinks playing a first-half under eliminates a lot of the randomness of the end game. Agree. Strong point, Fez. Uh, you got a trailing team, might play desperately. That's where you get pick sixes. I think Nate Stanley threw a couple. Was it him? Or maybe it was a different guy. Last time I was here, didn't he throw a couple pick sixes? Got out of hand? Yeah, I think so. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, for those of you guys listening, I think that was the case. Uh, and you avoid overtime if it's a close game. I think it's going to be close. You don't. So that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I like Fezzik's handicap more than anybody's here. Nothing against you, KT. No, Nothing okay, against man. me. Iowa-Wisconsin under first half 20. That is a like from Fezzik. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right. Uh, Let's go to the Pac-12. And how about this? Oh, my goodness. Not one, not two, not three, four. Quadruple-like here. A quadruple-like, including one from Dave Esler. Let's start off with Dave here. Dave Esler, 
He likes Arizona State here. Saturday, Arizona State minus a point and a half over USC. I don't know how anyone can possibly take USC right now, let alone on the road where their only win was by four at Colorado, and they struggled to do that. Helton is surely a lame duck, and his players weren't responsive when he was just a regular duck. USC let Oregon convert two-thirds of their third downs. Inexcusable. USC the last three years against the spread, 12-23. and 23. ASU at home the last three years, 13-4. and four. ASU's defense is better in yards per play, points per play, yards per rush. ASU has the better freshman quarterback in Daniels. He turned down schools named Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. ASU isn't feeling sorry for anyone. You play to win the game. They got the better coach, better quarterback, better defense. They're at home. SoCal needs one more win for bowl eligibility. They might not get it, and they won't get it here. Sun Devils over SoCal. All right, that's from Dave here. He likes Arizona State. Ken, you also like Arizona State. Yeah, I do. I think I know the boys from Troy pretty well after all these years. Now, I fell off, I fell for them last week, and I thought maybe a good spot. And I knew they were shorthanded, but I still thought maybe that home field advantage, maybe Slovis could take care of business. But, man, he just looked like a freshman last week. And I really feel like the writing's on the wall. And Clay Helton came out after that game and said, I'm the right guy for the job to have this coaching yeah. job. And the reason you say that is because you know that job is going to somebody else in the near future, whether it's Urban Meyer, who I think, like Brad, is going to end up getting that job. Even though the Florida State job is open and Willie Taggart was let go now, I expect Florida State to make a push for Urban Meyer, but I don't think he'll go Who'd there. Who would you rather compete against, Dabo in the ACC or... Chris Peterson and Crystal Ball out west. Yeah, exactly. In LA. No no question about it. And he's there. He's yep. probably, you know, he's got the I'm sure he's got a nice place and understanding, hey, this is great living in SoCal and this could be my home base right here with a very storied program in Southern Cal. So I'm looking at SC. Here's a team minus nine in turnovers. And I understand turnovers. Sometimes there's tip passes. There's fluky things that happen. But it's SC just making poor decisions. Why? Because there's a lot of growing pains right now. When you're going with freshman quarterbacks or quarterbacks that have not played, like Matt Fink, who stepped in for Slovis, you're going to make mistakes. And when you look at USC's injury report week in, week out, my goodness, it's four pages long. So this is a team, although they get great athletes, they really struggle to keep them on the field consistently. John Houston's been the one mainstay linebacker on defense. For Arizona State, two weeks to think about back-to-back losses. Herm Edwards will have them ready. He'll have them focused. They are at home. This is a bigger game for Arizona State. SC will drop to 5-5. Five and five. ASU will continue in the Jaden Daniels era to move forward, get some momentum, make a decent bowl game, and ASU's got things to play for. USC, dream crusher last week because they can't even salvage their season by beating the best team in the North, taking out an undefeated Pac-12 team as far as inside the conference in Oregon. SC's in a lot of trouble in this game. Speaking of dream crusher, Steve Fezzik, he also likes Arizona State. Trademark, dream crusher for USC. They had a clear path to win the Pac-12 South, destroyed at home by Oregon. Uh, all life seemed to be out of the team. I agree. I mean, they got outscored 56 to, what, 14 to close that game out. True dream crusher. This is Steve Fezzik. Arizona State in a bounce back off two straight losses and a bye. I mean, that's the, the handicap. This worries me because we all have the same notes here. Because Brad Powers also likes Arizona State. And I'm not adding anything to this. Here's what I will add. 
just to st- statistically speaking, I got Arizona State. They're slightly better in yards per game differential. That's how many yards per game are you on offense minus how many yards per game do you give up on defense. Arizona State's slightly better. Points per game differential. Scoring margin. Arizona State's slightly better. And the favorite wise guy stat, yards per play differential. How many yards per play do you average on offense minus how many yards per play on defense do you allow? Arizona State's slightly better in all three of those categories. They're at home, and yet the line's only one and a half, and it's a good spot for Arizona State, like we mentioned. SC with nothing to play for, Arizona State off a bye. I like Arizona State. My only concern is we basically got all got the same handicap. We got a quadruple like here. I would say the percentage of times that these plays win, I'm not sure you're making a profit long term. What do you think, KT? If everyone agrees on one side, well, make the can anyone make the case for SC here? I don't think so. It might be a good reason why SC opened two, and now Arizona State's laying one and a half. I think a lot of guys like you and myself and Dave and Fezzik thinking the same way. Mm-hmm. That's why this one's my early line mover that I give out on straight out of Vegas. Who's betting SC? I I mean, I think this line goes up to three, to be perfectly frank with you. I can't disagree with you at all. All right. Quadruple like. USC, Arizona State. We're moving here. We still got five or six more games, though. We're about halfway home. Next on the docket, Iowa State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma taking some a little bit of money today. Went up to a 14.5-point home favorite here. Fezzik passes. And we got a couple lanes. I'm, I'll kick this one off. I lean Oklahoma. I, I just, I'll play them off of that upset loss against Kansas State. Both teams coming off a bye here. One thing Oklahoma's been very good in the last, uh, this is going back five years now, November, December, Oklahoma has won their last 18 games in the Big 12 in the months of November and December. They're 12 5 and 1 against the spread in those games. So when the, the the stakes are at their highest, at least in conference play. Oklahoma's gotten the job done pretty much since Lincoln Riley came over, uh, the, even in his days when he was calling plays at offensive coordinator. My concern, number one, it was 14. Off of a key number, it went up to 14 and a half. That, I mean, I really not, don't want to lay that there. With an Oklahoma defense that maybe showed some weaknesses in that last game. And I'll look, RJ, go, we go back and forth on this all the time. Matt Campbell's a good coach. He, and he's been good against Oklahoma. 3-0 and against the number against the Sooners. Average covers by 18 points per game. I know you're going to say, well, how much is that outright upset factored into that? I get it. They pulled like an outright upset as a four-touch. years ago. Yeah, is it a four-touchdown? In Norman. Yeah, but he's covered the other two games by more than a touchdown, too. So he's been really good against Oklahoma, and he's been really good. Matt Campbell, we're talking about as a dog, going back to the Toledo games, 20-7 and against the spread as an underdog. So just a lean for me on Oklahoma. You're leaning with the Sooners too? Same thing. You know, 14 and a half now, a little bit different. Uh, the reason I lean, I respect Bob, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy on any given day can beat anybody. He's that good. But he can also screw things up like he did at home against Oklahoma State. Throws for 382. That all looks well and good, but three interceptions. And he's done that a couple times this year to where he's just not throwing the ball to the guys wearing his colors. Uh, He's got Jones and Milton, two solid receivers. Kohler's one of the better tight ends in the Big 12. So he's got those guys. He's got a decent defense. Sophomore linebacker, Orion Vance. This guy's a tackling machine. He and Marcel Spears, Mike Rose, outstanding core. But unfortunately, they're throwing over the top of those guys and burning the secondary. Oklahoma, to me, smarting, knowing now after they're hearing everything and we're about 
probably 50 minutes from them doing the, uh, the first four uh, playoff rankings, the first of the uh, playoff rankings, but the top four teams. And Oklahoma's going to see themselves on the outside looking in and understanding that, you know what, margin mm. of victory is big for us. We need to blow teams out. So that's why I leaned Oklahoma. But, man, I was close to pulling the trigger because if it was somebody that couldn't put points on the board, like, and I respect Brock Purdy, if it was anybody that was more defensive-oriented in the Big 12, even a decent team, I'd have probably laid the points because Oklahoma, it's very important. If they're going to do anything, they need margin of victory because if they're tied with another team like Oregon or somebody else with a one loss, they better have all types of blowout wins on their resume in order to maybe win a tiebreaker. That's a strong point, Ken. Ken and Brad leaning Oklahoma. Any closing thoughts? Nope. All right. We'll continue to roll along. This is going to be something special here. Next game is Maryland, Ohio State. Ohio State, a 43-and-a-half point home favorite. And this has never been done in straight out of Vegas. This guy, he's gonna. We're gonna welcome him into the studios here. He's never let off of handicap. Hey, Stack, get in here. All right, hold hey, on. Stack. Hey, Stack. I haven't seen you in forever, man. Well, I'll tell you what, man. That Ohio State, them Buckeyes, they look pretty damn good, don't they? No, I mean. Have they even played a close game yet? I mean, 43 and a half points, that's a lot of points, but I'll tell you what, Ohio State scores a lot of points. And I've been betting Ohio State here the last couple weeks, and guess what? Winner, followed by another winner, followed by another winner. In fact, I've been betting them the last seven games, and I've won each time with Ohio State. Don't matter who they play in, what the number is. Ohio State, all they do... They just win. And even though Brad's, uh, Brad, that Brad Powers guy is going to tell you how big of a spread this is, historically speaking, eh, forget that number. Ohio State minus 43 and a half. Haystack, best bet, Buckeyes. Wow. Can't argue with Haystacks, man. Last time I saw him was at the Larry the Cable Guy concert. Fair enough. Him he, and Ryan, him and and Ron I'm White. Brad, man, we had a good Brad's time. Brad's back now. Haystack left. He just comes in and shows up whenever he feels like it. Hasn't been doing too much this year. But I guess he's been betting the Buckeyes. He's been doing quite well. He's been doing better than me if he's been betting the Buckeyes. Uh, yeah, this is the biggest spread in the Big Ten since at least 1980. No wonder RJ be, keeps him on the payroll. Yeah, could be could be longer because the database only goes back to 1980. So, and, and if this spread isn't big enough for you, wait till next week when Ohio State plays Rutgers. Keep in oh. mind, Maryland beat Rutgers by 40. Oh. So Ohio State next week could be laying 55. Yeah, one of the big. I'll have to look through it, but. I think Oklahoma laid 53 against Baylor in 2003. Conference. So it's certainly going to be the biggest one since then next week. We're talking Power 5. Yeah, we're just talking conference. Uh, No no matter what conference. Really? Yeah, Power 5 or Group of 5. But it's a conference game. We're throwing out all those FCS Mm -hmm, games, mm -hmm. obviously. But we'll we'll see next week. And Haystack's right. Ohio State, that's all they do is cover. Seven straight. They're number one in the country in ATS margin plus 17 and a half points per game. And they're the Buckeyes. And even their last couple games, they've covered by like 17. I don't think it slows down anytime soon. I'm leaning Ohio State. Is that where you're going? Yeah, I'm leaning Ohio State. It's hard not to. I mean, Justin Fields just doing everything right. J.K. Dobbins over 1,100 yards now has 11 touchdowns total, nine on the ground, two via the airwaves. I like Master Teague the third. We don't even talk about the guy much, but he almost has 600 yards, four touchdowns. He would start 
on almost every other Big Ten team in the backfield except Wisconsin, uh, Master Teague the third. That's how good I think this young man is. And how about Chase Young? 13 and a half sacks. We don't talk about it much. We remember Charles Woodson, but we don't talk about defensive players. Being in the Heisman conversation, he is, Brad. He is, because you know what? I'm going to look it up. He's like down to like the sixth shortest odds. I don't think there's value. I mean, do you really see it? Can you remember? Wait, can you believe that after the 79 nothing win against Howard and then the blowout of Syracuse, that this Maryland team was in the top 25? Oh, I can believe that, but I, I'm not surprised that they've fallen. You know why? Two words. Mike Loxley. Yeah. I mean, people just, I, did they forget what happened at New Mexico? You and I didn't. Oh, my God. I mean, it was probably as bad of a three-year tenure that I've seen in college football, at least since I've been heavily involved the last decade, plus going back to my Phil Steele days. You're right, and it looked like, for all intents and purposes, here in the Mountain West, we could have a third campaign like that for San Jose State. Shout out to Brent Brennan. What a job he's doing to make that program. They're four and five, but to make them respectable like they are and hang with Boise State, even have a 10-point lead on Boise State last week, Hats off to San Jose State. Fun to watch a team that's very competitive now. Not going to show up in the standings of the Mountain West, but competitive night in, night out. And Hawaii better be careful this year, this week in the, on the island because uh, they're going to bring their A game there. They play with heart. I'm just looking. Chase Young, 8-1 to one to win the Heisman. Joe Burrow's the favorite, plus 120. So mm. He's got better odds. Two is 3-1. to one. Jalen Hurts, plus 250. And that's it. I would tell you right now, Tua is a so great is, is a great play right now because if he does play and they beat LSU, oh, I agree. I I think that's I I think we should make I th- we should make a play on that, Brad. That's yeah, because Joe Burrow is out. If Tua less than a hundred percent outduels Joe Burrow, Tua is a favorite. He goes to like a and, minus and ba- favorite. And Bama, if they win it because of Who that loss to, to Kansas yeah. State, totally hurts. Yeah. Hurts. All right, let's get on this. Let's do it. All right, so you heard that. Uh, check for, uh, yeah, I'll make a bet on this. I agree. Hmm. He loses, though, doesn't play, he's out. We could be dead after one week. We either, We're fine. See, this is a high variance. We either are going to have, but we both lean towards Alabama. No, I like Alabama. I think we after this one week, we're either going to have a really, really good bet or we're going to be done. All right, I'll decide. I, I, tr- I trust it's, if you're feeling the same the bit, way that I'm feeling. Yeah, the bidding is at least that we're at least talking nickel to dime here at three to one. Yep. So I, I at least need to get that. All right, we'll decide on that later in the week. And you know what? I'm going to bring that up straight out of Vegas. I'm a shop, though. I'm a big believer in getting the best of the number, especially in these futures, KT. Where one but shot, remember, there's one shot. Remember, three there's three hundred thousand people going to be listening to this, so you got to be careful where you're. You know, want to make sure you get down on it before they end up getting down on it before yeah, you. Yeah. All right, I'll shop after the show. Okay, Jeez, thanks, All right. boss. Hey. All right, I remember RJ pushing you on the show last week. Did you did you put that play in yet? And you're like, uh, no, I'm getting to it. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do listen. All right, recapping: Leans on Ohio State, Ken and myself. Haystack coming over the top with a. I don't know if he said best bet. I think he just says he's batting Ohio State. Let's move along to another team. That's I do like, want to say this though, even what? though it was Haystack, Brad Powers is wearing an Ohio State hat today in the studio. Yeah. They're number one in my power ratings. I would, I mean, I wouldn't lay three against Alabama with Ohio State, but I, I think they deserve to be favored at this point. That would be, hmm. I, you know what? I can't but argue that. With but with five I, or six weeks to prep versus Ryan Day. Yes. That would worry me. And I, and I also look back, Brad, as much as I like Ohio State 
and I have that bet with RJ for a thousand. He's got Bama, and I've got Ohio State, and now they're. I think uh, Alabama is actually a little bit of a favorite over Ohio State by yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, just in a, the, in slightly the here, odds, right? Yeah. And but when I looked at Ohio State's schedule, we're we're basing it on Wisconsin. Wisconsin's as good as Auburn. And Cincinnati, and this is a Cincinnati team that barely beat East Carolina for the love of God. Indiana's pretty good. See, I people agree. don't understand. They dominated that. it. Now I told you that. Yeah. But you you thought they were going to nah. possibly struggle with <laughs> Northwestern? Did well, you I not? thought I would. Yeah. yeah, they clinched a bowl and they celebrated after the Nebraska. Old game. Tom Allen's finally beating a couple teams right now, or at least one that he was uh, yeah. that he was a dog against. No, I don't think people understand. Indiana's like a borderline top twenty-five team, Peyton even in my Peyton even Ramsey. in my power ratings. Peyton Ramsey, yeah, it's not Michael Penix Jr. He's been hurt. Okay, well, Penix played last week. Did he? he? Did. Yeah, yeah, he played. Let me look it up. Yeah. You don't believe me, do you? No, no, I, I believe think they, they both spl- played. They split. Yeah, yeah they both Ramsey's played. been playing pretty much the last several games. Yeah, Penix played. Okay. Dude, I had money on that. I had the, I had freaking Northwestern and the Golden Nugget. All the money. I thought I was sitting pretty. I think I got it like 11, 11 and a half in the Nugget, and uh, line closed eight and a half, and CLV, baby, closing line value. Didn't mean crap, as always. I'll look that up as I'm doing. I'll tell you, I, I commend RJ. For running the board, being the host, looking up stats. Tough little gig here. I don't know if I want the permanent job here. Let's just put it that way. Uh, as far as being the permanent host. Let's move along. Clemson, NC State. We just got a couple games left here. I know you're on a time. Clemson, a 32.5 point road favorite. Uh, not Again, just a bunch of leans here. Ken, you lean? I lean Clemson. And the reason I lean Clemson, I think this defense is finally together to where all those mainstay household names that we saw in the NFL draft, well, now the other guys are stepping up. And you've got a solid DB, Tanner Muse, leading the secondary. He's got three picks already. Isaiah Simmons, the leading tackler, also the leading sack master with six sacks, leading the defense. Venable's an outstanding coordinator. Just give him a little bit of time. He's going to get these guys ready to play. And right now, I feel confident that Clemson will shut down anybody they play in the ACC and forge themselves into a big-time closing game against South Carolina. Now, that's a tricky game. And I know South Carolina's not a great team, but it's something about rivalry football on the road that's the one thing that keeps me from saying I'm positive Clemson's going to go unbeaten because I'm not positive on that. But I think the defense is playing well enough. The offense, Lawrence, is right at the ship. He's got 20 touchdowns now in the eight interceptions he's had for a little bit. Etienne, Lynn J. Dixon, Higgins, Ross Rogers, outstanding. And you have three other guys that we don't talk about. Overton, Nagata, and Powell have seven touchdowns between themselves. NC State, what I say last week on my show, I'd be leery to back Devin Leary and NC State. <laughs> Man, was I dead on, and I made good money against NC State last week. It's a team to me that right now they're looking for identity. They have a really good defensive lineman in Laro Murchison, but other than that, this team's got a lot of question marks. Eileen Clemson, I think they can shut down NC State, and I think they can score what they need to score. The line is high on the road, and it's just another game, but I think that – Dabo has them focused because there is no margin for error for Clemson. One loss, yeah. Even though, even though they have two of the last yeah. three titles, they could be out. Yeah, and a lot of it's schedule strength for them. I'm with you. I lean Clemson, and I've been doing this podcast for, podcast for several years now. I don't think I've ever leaned more than a four-touchdown favorite on the road 
in this instance. Two teams just heading in opposite directions. I mean, Clemson's getting things going offensively. Lawrence is up to number eight in the country in QBR after he's struggling at the start of the season. NC State last seven games are one and six against the number. You mentioned Leary being terrible. Yeah, they just can't figure out the quarterback position at all, whether it's Leary or, or anybody that started this year. Defense has gotten worn down the last couple of games as well. Clemson takes ACC opponents seriously. Last 16 games against ACC po- opponents for Clemson, they're 16-0 and straight up. They win by 34 points per game. They're 14-2 and against the spread. They cover by nine points per game. That's in-conference Clemson. Lean Clemson. Fezzik. Lanes NC State. Oh my goodness. And so this is his handicap. NC State 34 point loss to Wake gives us a bit of value, huh? They were only outgained by 150 yards, huh? NC State lost the turnovers by three in that game. Okay. But a lot of that's because Leary's throwing picks. A freshman. Off that embarrassing loss, have to expect NC State plays hard. NC State is 4-4 four and four with winnable games, so teams should still be trying hard. Bowl game in sights. I wish he liked that play. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> even though I leaned, that handicap right there, not good, Fez. But I'll give you a pass this time because you've had some good derivative bets so far. So recapping it, Ken and Brad both leaning Clemson, Fezzik leaning NC State. All right, guys, the stakes are getting higher. The last three games, all best bets, all different games from Steve Fezzik, then Ken Thompson, then Brad Powers. But before best bets, let's get to our one and only commercial break. Hey, college football fans, need to brush up on your football knowledge? Then enroll in the Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from brilliant football minds like Jay Cutler, Martellus Bennett, Katie Nolan, and John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. Not only will you win every college football argument this season, you can even enter for a chance to win tickets to the 2020 College Football Playoff National Championship game. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dosecki's College Football Football College at dosecki's.com slash edu. Dosecki's, keep it interessante. Dosecki's beer brands. Enjoy Dosecki's responsibly. Imported by Cervasis Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019. Dosecki's beer brands. No purchase necessary. 21 plus only. Enter. By December 20th, 2019, full rules available on dosekis.com slash edu. As always, a big thank you for listening to the great dream preview show for this week 11. But we'd like guys to ask a small but very important favor of you. It'll only take a few minutes. And if you're one of the first people to do it, Podcast One will make it worth your time. Literally. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to complete a short survey because the information you give us can help make things better for the show and you as a listener. Just go to podcastone.com slash survey and everything will be right there for you. Podcastone.com slash survey. The first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to amazon.com and two grand prize winners will be selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card. How about that? free money. It's a win-win. Remember, our shows are supported by advertisers, so filling this out will really help us. The Dream Preview, RJ Bell, Brad Power, Steve Fezzik, Ken Thompson, that'll help us cater to the needs of you as a listener, so please go to podcastone.com 
slash survey. Answer some questions and potentially make some money along the way. Thank you for being a dedicated listener to the Dream Preview. What a great time of year it is. November, football, college football, one versus two matchups. Are you kidding me? If you're looking, guys, to add even some further excitement, you got to make BetDSI.com your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. Remember, new members get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L, BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. Guys, why choose BetDSI? I'm going to tell you why. Number one, BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. BetDSI is top rating on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash, not next year, not next month, this week. BetDSI has very user-friendly interface and a mobile site. BetDSI has the fastest payouts in the industry. You simply play, win, and get paid. BetDSI offers betting options for everything. You can bet on the NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all the other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play and every minute until the very end. Remember, guys, new members get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL. That's BELL101, B-E-L-L-101. That's double your money to start winning the day. I play there myself and recommend BetDSI if you want to add some excitement to the sports you love or any other sports you are watching. Once again, finally, go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code BELL101 and get this limited time, 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Remember, it's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Not one, not two, but three best bets coming your way. We're going to lead it off with a best bet from Steve Fezzik. It's the Missouri-Georgia game. Georgia favored by 17. But, oh, what's this? Again, Steve Fezzik, I can't believe he knew this. He must have known that RJ wasn't going to be here today. He's got a total, best bet total for Steve Fezzik. Nice, nice. Missouri-Georgia <laughs> over 47. I'm not sure it would have flown with RJ here. All right, over 47, Missouri-Georgia, Steve Fezzik's best bet. Georgia just played three straight very low-scoring teams, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida. Every game had less than 42 points. Meanwhile, missouri just played two games versus low-scoring teams. Missouri, they didn't just play Missouri. They played Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I'm reading the teleprompter here. I'm Ron Burgundy. It does say Missouri. M-I-C-Z, yeah, yeah. Is, right? Kentucky, both of those went under. We're talking about Missouri here. Those recent games have moved this total down to 47. Solid value now to go over. Sorry, that was a little bit of fake Fez there. Missouri, Georgia, over 47. Best bet, Steve Fezzik. Here, here, yeah, here's the yeah. thing. If it was Missouri in those two games against Vandy and Kentucky doing the scoring, but they scored seven yeah, against Kentucky and 14 against Vandy. That's scaring me. Number one, Kelly Bryant, questionable with a hamstring. I don't think he's near 100%. That's major. Larry Roundtree the third. he hasn't been near as good as he was last year. And I just think this is a team right now 
that they've been crushed on the road. They have not won a game on the road. They lost at Wyoming. They lost at Vandy. They lost at Kentucky. Now you're going in between the hedges, and that was a different Georgia team than I thought we'd see against Florida. Their defense got in the face of Trask. They were all over him. I was very impressed. And their offensive line, we talked about it all year. We think one of the best, if not the best, in college football. They've only given up four sacks. DeAndre Swift, outstanding. And Lawrence Cager impressed me. He was a guy that stepped up to lead the receiving core. Blaylock made some nice catches as well. You still have Pickens and Demetrius Robinson. But at the end of the day, it was Cager that stepped up and caught my eye. And that's what I was waiting for. Some identity from this receiving core because Holloman getting Boot off the team, booted off the team at the beginning of the year, and because everybody else gone, including McCall Hardman, one of the best that you see for Kansas City on Sundays now, I think Georgia has reestablished themselves as a team that could be in the playoff. Now, they still have to take care of business in the SEC championship game because they do have the one loss to South Carolina. But I think if they play the way they did, watching from stand back there knowing, you know what, my line's not going to let me get hit. I think Georgia gained a lot of confidence because that Florida team, 29 sacks coming in, 29 sacks going out. Zero against Georgia. Mm, So you like Georgia here. I like Georgia a lot. Do you want to bet against Fez? I do. I thought he has the over. He has the over. Oh, he has the side too? No, no side. Do you going to bet against him on the over? Here's what I – I just figured this out. You know what happened I think Georgia could score a ton. Because I'm looking at like the next game. Fez has a like on the over. So you know what he did? He has Missouri. No, I'm talking the next game, your best bet. But I'm like looking. I got derivatives, you know, first half totals, best bet on a total. He's got like, I mean, a bunch of bunch of different stuff here. You know what happened? That's why they passed him with with honors in Northwestern. No, they couldn't understand. I'm going to give him credit. I mean, this guy. I mean, there's a reason why. Hold on. I'm already a multi-millionaire. There's a reason for that because. I mean, he's been losing on this podcast. He hasn't been here. I think he lost like a thousand. I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. And you know what he did? He started doing derivative stuff because he knows no one's going to have that. So who's going to bet against him on stuff no one else has? Totals, derivative bets, first quarter, first half type of bets. Give them a guy credit. That's Steve Fezzik. Best bet for him on the over. Ken likes Georgia. I'm going to keep it short and sweet here. I lean Georgia. How about this? Home away for Missouri. Check out these numbers. At home this year, Missouri 5-0 and straight up. 4-1 and against the spread. They win by 29 points per game. They cover by 10. That's at home. On the road, Missouri, this year. 0-3 straight up. 0-3 against the spread. Lose by 12 points per game. Fail to cover by 27 points per game. At home, cover by 10. On the road, fail to cover by 27. Double-digit favorite. In all three of those games, and lost all three outright. I don't know what it is there in the in the water in Columbia, but that is about as big as of a disparity home away that I've ever seen. I'm leaning Georgia here. I like what I saw in the Florida game. I came, I bet Florida. I liked Florida, and I came up only a half point short, and I felt fortunate to only come up a half point short. I thought Georgia clearly. Yeah, I bought I, I bought it up to seven, and I felt good that I did. But you know the. Uh, a lot of my friends that bet it, they didn't do it. They said, no, nah, it's too risky to buy up. I go, no, if I can buy it up, I will buy it up. To, I don't like losing by a half point, especially when I can get it to a key number and I've got someone uh, that I'm able to get down with that doesn't uh, rate me on the juice there. So I'll take that. Uh, but I was very fortunate and felt very. I felt like stealing that I actually got a push. So you turned what most people lost into a push. Yep. 
Oh, there it is. Yeah. I, I deserve it. Sorry, RJ. <laughs> but I didn't sell it. I didn't sell Florida. All right. That's Ken Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. It is. All right. Speaking of Ken Thompson, we're down to the last two games. Ken Thompson's best bet, Kansas State, Texas. Go, Ken, go. All right. And RJ said on Straight Out of Vegas, he goes, I haven't heard Earl Campbell's name mentioned <laughs> in any type of uh, you know best bet scenario. But Earl Campbell came out earlier in the week and said that he thinks Texas should be going with a black quarterback because black quarterbacks are just – they're going to – that's the way of things now. You look at, you know – and he mentioned Tua Tagovailoa, who's a Samoan. Okay, so he's not even black. But at the end of the day, you know, Earl Campbell, hey, he's gotten his bell rung many times. Look, I liked watching the guy play. Let me tell you something. I, I don't go for this stuff. I don't care what it is. I, I just don't like it. I don't care what ethnicity, what race, whatever it is. I just – I'm not into that. You don't need to bring that in. You could just say, hey, you know, my opinion is that there are some other quarterbacks that maybe, you know, they should look at. You don't have to put it in a race. That's like saying white men can't jump. You're right. There's probably a good majority that can't, but there's a lot of guys. I remember Brent Barry jumping through the roof. I was like, gosh, dang, that guy's white. How's he doing that? You know, you, when you start doing the race card, Earl Campbell, I'm not into it. Sam Ellinger, he knows all about it. You know why? Because they have their own TV network down there in Austin, and you don't think they're hearing all about that, even though Earl Campbell is one of those beloved alums. Right there, I think he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Sam Ellinger is a gamer. Brad and I like this guy. Look, win or lose, one thing I can tell you at the end of the day, you're getting 110% every single game that I've watched Sam Ellinger play. I don't care if he's white, black, or green, man. The guy flat out gives everything on the field. And I think he's going to take extra measure in this game to take out a Kansas State team that's sitting pretty good right now, coming off back-to-back wins, one against their rival in Kansas that everybody thought – had made strides that Les Miles had this team ready to spring the win in Lawrence against K-State and also the win against Oklahoma, the dream crusher potentially for the Sooners, but really to elevate Kleiman and his job there over there at Kansas State coming over from North Dakota State, bringing that winning tradition. I think this is a huge game for Texas. All of a sudden, when things are going wrong, you lose to TCU by 10. It looks like you've got nothing to play for because now you've got another conference loss because you already lost the Red River shootout or Red River rivalry to Oklahoma by a touchdown, and you lost a tough game at home to LSU by 7. But you look at those two teams. If LSU's ranked number 1 and Texas says, look, we lost to the number 1 team in the country by 7, we best play our A game and take out this K-State team, get back on the track to try and get a pretty good bowl game, run the table from here on out. Duvernay, Johnson, I don't know if Eagles plays, but I'm looking for Ingram and Johnson in the backfield to have big games, but especially Ellinger to have a major game. And Cade Stearns is back in the secondary. This guy, he's still their third leading tackler, and he's missed four games. Are you kidding me? This guy means everything to that secondary Look for him to have a major game. Texas rolls by double digits over Kansas State. My best bet, minus six and a half. Give me the Longhorns in Austin. Minus six and a half. I got to look. Is that what it was? I thought that's what it was. Sheet says seven. Oh, does it? Okay, whatever it is. No, no, no. Hold on. We're going to shop around. Because the initial sheet I had, I thought said six and a half. It was six and a half. Okay. I think Texas took some money today as we're taping this. Well, yeah, so and I want to mind, guys. And, and, and I'll give. I'll, I'll definitely give seven. Yeah, I mean, there's no. I mean, I'll lay seven. There's no problem there. Yeah, but we want to get I think the best gonna, of the number right. here. I, I th- yeah. So I'm going to check, shop around, because, I mean, the best. But, it, but if the majority, and we do this, if the majority, like when we're putting our plays up on pregame, oh, if the majority, majority of you guys can't get 
six and a half. We're not putting it in there at six and a half. Even though we may get that, we're putting it in at seven because we know the majority of you guys are going to have to lay seven points. Yeah, I make sure there's three, at least three, four books have it for, for me to put it in. Uh, I'll look that up. Let's go to Steve Fezzik. No surprise, the total here for Fez. Again, he must have known RJ wasn't going to be here. He likes Kansas State, Texas over, over 58. Uh, Texas become a good over team with a great quarterback and offense and no D. All five Big 12 games gone over. Every Texas game, both teams have gotten at least 27 points. He's going over. Seems a little square. Yeah, you know, but I, and I never thought a Kansas State game could go over. Uh, until I watched them against Oklahoma. And, man, I, I'll tell you what, I was impressed. There's certain games that you look and they're head-scratchers. That was a head-scratcher for me. Not that they won the game because they've had a history of stepping up in the Little Apple to get wins. But by that score, whatever, 48-41, 47-41, whatever it was, that was impressive. So that's a like on Fez over. I also do like Texas. I don't have a bet against you, KT, and here's the reason. Uh, you mentioned Stern's back. Overshow might be back. He's a defensive back. Whittington, uh, running back, might be back. Foster, safety, might be back. One of their key linebackers might be back. Four or five guys. Looks like they might be back from the injury report. Texas off a bye here. And we mentioned Ellinger. He's off a career-worst game. He threw four picks against TCU prior to the bye. Prior to that, Ellinger, eight interceptions in his previous 21 games. Four and one, eight and 21. I'll I'll call the four and one an outlier. I'll take advantage of the value off of that. And to me, how much does Kansas State have left? All out effort, Oklahoma. Right back at it, the rivalry game against Kansas. I bet Kansas, you know that. Uh that didn't look good. Kansas State played well. I'm with you. Like Texas here. Uh we'll get a line here as we're doing this. Ken looking at a bunch of the lines here. It's seven. It's reduced juice like seven minus one oh five at most places. That's, we're we're on it. I said they'd win by double digits. I'm sticking to it and I want to make sure that you guys are still on at seven. I wouldn't lay seven and a half, but seven, definitely. All right, Ken Thompson, best bet, Texas, minus seven. All right, one more best bet, but first. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, off a three-in-one week. Let's try to keep this. A little bit of momentum going here. Best bet for me, I'm going right back to it. I'm going BYU minus 17 against Liberty. Hear me out here. A little bit of a long-winded handicap here, KT. But if you have any comments, jump right in, because otherwise it's going to be me for the next two minutes. I have that best bet on BYU. Why? Multiple reasons. Number one, BYU in November. Last 10 years, 23-9 and nine against the spread. Average cover by about a touchdown per game. What? Why is BYU good in November? Well, since they moved to independent, their schedules are front-loaded. So they're playing the Utahs, the Tennessees, the Washingtons, the USC's of the world early in the season. So BYU's stats and records are average. But then at the end of the year, who wants to play Who wants to play BYU in November? USC doesn't. Washington doesn't. So BYU's playing teams like Liberty in November, and they're laying a reasonable number. Why? Because their stats and records are mediocre, just like this year coming into this game 4-4. Four and four. On top of that, What's BYU have advantageous-wise in November? They're dealing with 21, 22, 23-year-olds off those two-year missions. So they can handle the wear and tear of a season better than 18 and 19-year-olds. That's BYU in November. Big thumbs up there. Number two reason for me, let's just look at the schedule edge. 
BYU's played a top 15 schedule in terms of difficulty. Liberty, bottom five. BYU's played five home. This is their fifth home game this year. Previous four all came against ranked teams. They go from playing a ranked team to Liberty. Liberty, meanwhile, check this out. Liberty hasn't played a top 100 team in my power rating since September 14th. Last six games, the toughest team Liberty played, you know, KT? Last six games. Uh, New Mexico. At Rutgers. Liberty lost. I had Rutgers money line. So yeah, yeah Ru- right. as a touchdown favorite. 44-34. The wise guys love this Liberty team for some reason. You look at the games against similar competition. Syracuse, Liberty lost by 24. UL Lafayette by 21. The Rutgers game, failing to cover the spread by like 17. And on top of it, not a good spot for Liberty. Third straight road game across the country in altitude. Add it all up for me. Best bet, BYU, minus 17. That is Brad Power's best bet. Any thoughts, Fet? Or I, I'm so used to saying Fez. No, you know what? I agree with you 100%. I like the way BYU's playing. Uh, they have confidence right now, and that defense is looking solid. They're physically winning in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They are. All right. That'll do it here for Week 11 Dream Preview. Any closing thoughts, KT? I thought you brought a ton of energy. Oh, it was today. great, man. I mean, you get to this time of the year, and you and I know it because, you know, we do a Friday show together. We do a lot of stuff together throughout the week. But we never look at each other's plays until it's showtime. Yep. Unless there's – I a, never know, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless there's something that I think that I have – something in sight, like as far as uh, that can help make you money. And I know you're the same way yep, yep. where it's not just an opinion of yours, but there's something that you hey, found something out. wrong in the right. marketplace. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so Hey, that, get down on this. But yeah, other than that, we wait until we discuss. And that's what makes for great radio because yeah. you want it. Like Larry King taught me that be spontaneous. Don't personally have everything ta- written down. He's personally taught you that or just through watching uh, that was him? Something, yeah, watching him. It was something okay. that he said. It was, <laughs> a, it was something that he said that, you know, for his throughout his radio career, what he thought made the best radio broadcast that he's had was simply being spontaneous, maybe having some bullet points, but that was it. Then elaborate and feed off your guests and kind of go from there. That is Ken Thompson. You can follow him on Twitter. At SportsX Radio. SportsX Radio, and that's the site as well, SportsXRadio.com, and my show Monday through Friday out here in Vegas, 8 to 10 p.m. pregame, a big sponsor. There you go. You can follow Steve Fezzik on Twitter at Fezzik Sports. That's F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports at Fezzik Sports. You can follow RJ Bell at RJ in Vegas. And, of course, as always, I am Brad Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Powers 7 That's going to wrap it up for the Dream Preview for this week. RJ will be back next week. So will I. So will Ken. We'll be talking to you guys down the line. Make some money. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.